Hello, and welcome to Four Color Nerds Comic Book Reviews. This is episode 102, which is fitting because you only have two of us. <laughs> I'm Carissa, and I'm joined by Matt. Hello. Christina is watching a ludicrous display. A ludicrous display. And Ryan is lost in the Yunland Wastes. So sad. The, the weekly barrage of comics and comic-related news can be scary. So we're here to let you know what to check out and what to avoid. We read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them. And well, anything else that popped into the world of comics and well, our heads, because I love tangents. There's a chance of spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. So if you're worried about them, take a break now and go read the read your pool list and then come on back. We'll be reviewing Runaways number five. X-Men Gold annual number one. Miss Marvel. 26. Star Wars Darth Vader number 10. Phoenix Resurrection The Return of Jean Grey number 3. Avengers number 675. Then on Pool Pass or Complain About It on the Internet, we have Venom number 160. And Old Man Hawkeye number 1. Stop the presses! This just in. News from the bullpen. Between the time of the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And unto this, Conan, destined to wear the jeweled crown of Aquilonia upon a troubled brow. Long ago, much like Star Wars, Marvel Comics held the license to Conan of Sumeria and put out some of the greatest renditions of Conan stories and even had some original creations such as Red Sonja. But over time, interesting Conan waned and then they let the license go and it ended up with Dark Horse. Again, much like Star Wars, but they announced this week that Conan will be heading back to Marvel in January 2019. What those will mean for other Conan media we can't say, but hopefully it will be awesome. I'm hoping it means that they're going to start making Conan movies with the resources that they use for Marvel stuff. Did you hear about this? Well, I know you heard about this news because I threw it on the chat, but... I did, and well, I think it's kind of smart since, you know, Marvel is Disney, and Disney does have money to throw into projects. I think it's kind of smart because they're like, hey, fantasy is pretty popular, you know, because of Game of Thrones and stuff. If we throw a good amount of chunk of money under a fantasy brand that already has recognition and fan following, we can make some money. So I could see that being a, a call that they'd make. At the very least, uh, I've really liked the Star Wars comics that they've been putting out since they got back to Marvel. I, I know everybody loves the Dark Horse Star Wars comics, and I don't dislike them, but sometimes they didn't have the greatest art in the world. And I have, except for the rotoscoping, not been let down by the Marvel art on any of the, the Marvel books. And they've all been at least competently written. So I'm hoping for, you know, at least that much. Um, over at Marvel. So uh, I'm kind of on the fence because I'm like, the Dark Horse stuff is really good, but Marvel stuff was fantastic. Like Marvel and Conan was like, a, like, like literally Red Sonja. He he had a character called Dark Sonja, uh, Robert E. Howard, but Red Sonja was made from her and then some other ideas that uh, Roy Thomas had. So that was all like a Marvel thing. Uh, how she's being done by other publishers, I'm not quite sure, but um, I'm hoping we get some cool stuff out of that. Yeah, it sounds good. I mean, though it seems like Conan's been passed around lately. He just was tooling around with Wonder Woman, so... Well, that was like a Dark Horse DC team-up kind of thing. We won't... Pretty sure we won't ever be seeing that again, but if you look back to, like, the the Serpent Crown story uh, back with Marvel in, like, the 80s, it was one of the things that went through the annuals. Those had literally literally Conan in them. Like, Conan fought the, and, and Cull, I think, um, he fought the, uh, what were they called, Thulians? The, the, they were, like, snake people. Mm -hmm. So they literally had Conan mixed in with Marvel stuff. And Conan has met, you know, Wolverine and Thor and Captain America 
through like weird time travel what if stories. Yeah. So uh, there's the opportunity for some really cool stuff. And one of the pieces of art that they've done is literally it's a picture of Conan with a really cool looking Thor and a really cool looking like actual Wolverine, not old Ben Wolverine. So I'm like, oh, what are you guys going to do? And, and they've already said that they're going to put good creative staff on it. So I'm pretty hopeful. Okay, I mean, that was one of the best things with uh, the Star Wars line. They put like Jason Aaron on. And they put some of their better te- writers on there. So. Yeah, so it should be pretty neat. Uh, there's also a, a tiny little bit of news. They finally announced what uh, Bendis is going to be doing. He's apparently going to be penning the, or well, not penning, he, he won't maybe penning. He's doing the 1000th issue of Action Comics. So the, the big name that they're giving Bendis is Superman. So I'm like, oh, that'll be interesting. He goes from Iron Man to Man of Steel. Mm, yeah, you guys might actually like Superman now. <laughs> mm, mm, how about that? <laughs> small doses, small doses. Small doses, okay. <laughs> Super Sons is my speed. <laughs> or Date Night. That was enough Superman in, in the Date Night one. The Date Night, yeah. That was pretty awesome. Next week has a uh, third part of the Super Friends, which is uh, Batman versus Wonder Woman. I'm like, that's a stupid fight. He's just going to die. <laughs> Let's get into our comics. Alrighty. So, every episode, one of us picks their favorite book, and that's our pick of the week. This week, I am that nerd, and my pick goes to Runaways, number <gasps> five. I know, right? Though, <laughs> well, but to be fair, I did think it was a really good issue of Runaways. It is It is a really good I issue. I didn't pick it just because it was Runaways. I actually thought about it. Yeah. Our companion song is, It's a Small World After All. By Robert B. Sherman and Richard M. Sherman. Because, well, we don't want cats to read our minds. Now, take a listen. It's going to get stuck in your head, I guarantee. It's a world of laughter, a world of tears. It's a world of hopes and a world of fears. There's so much that we share that it's time we're aware. It's a small world after all. It's a small world. Alrighty. Runaways, number five. Marvel Comics, Find Your Way Home, part five. Written by Rainbow Rowell and art by Chris Anka. And if you want to hear a little story about Chris Anka, I posted a video on our Facebook page about him getting the Runaways title, which might be interesting for you to watch. (laughs) But not the Spider-Man drawing picture. That one was interesting, though, too, in a weird way. I've seen seen those a couple times on YouTube, but I was like, well, that's a way to draw Spider-Man. <laughs> I think it shows, you know, how much effort goes into the actual drawing. Okay, so this, a reason why I really like this issue is that it took, it gave a refreshing look on what was actually going on. Like, Molly has known what was what's kind of what's happening, and it's really Molly's take on, she was okay putting herself in that situation. She understood what she was getting herself into. Molly wasn't okay with putting Gert in that situation. And I think that's, really strong and really represents who Molly is as a character. Um, Gert still is in this place where she doesn't know where she fits into the world. So she's just kind of going along with anything, but she's really not happy. And I just kind of want to yell at her. I'm like, damn it. It's only two years. Who cares? Stay with Chase. You want to be with Chase, be with Chase. Get over it. <laughs> you know, you could be sad and want to know your place in the world, but you're, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot, girl. And I love her, so I can say that. And it's just, we called it, Carolina is back. Me and Matt both said a while ago that that wasn't going to stick. And yeah. it basically, we show them all come together. 
What I really liked about this issue, though, is we get more backstory into the parents, which we hadn't have before, and like kind of like how the pride was seen from another point of view. And just because in the original run, Molly's parents were mutants and they seemed okay, but you know, they were the pride members. Knowing that they were like kind of creations and technically like a brother and sister, but the same person, but of different genders, it's kind of one like this, like more. Uh, what's the word? It's just fucking weird. Yeah, weird and creepy. But you, it's expanded on that universe. It makes it a little bit more sinister and darker, and just kind of more interesting. And you find out about the grandma and just like mad scientist up the hoo ha. You know, she is just crazy, and she has Gert, Old Lace, Victor. Who else? You know, she has all this stuff, and like we find out she's experimenting on the cats and mutating them. And I love the line that Molly says she experiments on strays. And then she goes and clarifies, not just cats. And so the runaways have always been kind of like, they're the strays. They're the superhero strays. They're like out in the open. And Gert is exactly that. And Molly is scared for her. She doesn't want her something go to go her grandmother to hurt Gert. And that's what pushes Molly over the edge. Like, no, it's not okay. We need to run again. And I, it's really funny because, yeah, so the song was picked because it's constantly an ongoing thing throughout the whole issue and so at first when it happens you don't know molly just all of a sudden starts singing randomly in bed when she's talking to gert and later on she kind of lets gert in on why she's doing that and to prevent these cats from spying on her and reporting back to grandma so that's why that song was fitting but and then i love it, it i actually was like no don't end yet i want to know what happens because all the team breaks in because as molly and gert are trying to run away um, grandma catches them. Their plan didn't quite work. The cats saw through it or whatever. Um, the rest of the team was coming to get them because Victor realized that something was wrong too. And he, oh, he, yeah, he also finally said, yeah, I'm alive. And him and Chase had their, uh, begrudging bro. We hate each other moment. But yeah, it was all the team coming back together and trying to run. So it's like the epitome of like, that's what it is. It was like, that's the start kind of like this built up to it. Now we're finally getting there. So I was really happy and I really liked, there's a lot of intrigue and more information. And so I really liked this issue. Matt? I agree. Oh, that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I thought it was really good. The art on these books is just fantastic and the writing feels really good too. Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily feels like Brian K. Vaughn. He had this and he always does have this kind of weird energy about his writing mm -hmm. that isn't necessarily the most kind of refined story but it's a really good it feels really good to read these stories and the stories themselves feel really natural and they work perfectly and right he's really good at making characters but sometimes he doesn't kind of flesh things out completely like the pride and i know that it was intentionally done as kind of this like weird separate thing but it just they always can't seemed kind of like stock cookie cutter characters Mm -hmm. Especially her parents, I'm like, and they point this out in there. The, the fishnet the, mask. The fishnet mask. Yes, I saw like, that. What the fuck are with those masks? <laughs> it was like the first thing I'm like, well, there's no purpose behind this. It's just, it's like these characters, he, he's like, well, I need a couple villains and they need to be parents. So it was like, here's the male version, here's the female version for every single member of the bride. Yeah. And it just kind of seemed weird. It was one of the things that I think that the show, with its... Many changes that it had, but I think the show did better, uh, was because e even though I don't really like exactly how they did the parents, I finally finished it yesterday, by the way. Uh, the, the last episode was finally like it felt like, felt right. Right. It, it, I agree there. But like the parents, they at least characterized them better. 
they weren't just like stock characters because the kids are the actual characters of the story so it really didn't matter about the parents but it just still kind of felt a little shallow and and this book is kind of giving them a little bit more backstory and i I agree with you i i I was starting to feel like the story was going to head in the direction that it did and then it got there and then i'm like wait what you're stopping right there you bastards yeah. So I, I thought it was really good. It was uh, very well plotted out, very well written. Uh, I like characterizations. Uh, they they've got Runaways down, and it feels. I mean, it even kind of fixes that, uh, or not fixes. It fits that whole Young Avengers need that I have because it even kind of feels a little bit like the interplay back and forth that they had that Marvel seems to not give a shit about writing, but put into like a book that is you know, pretty fun. The art is really nice and easy to go through. It's really comfortable. The cats are fucking cute as hell. I'd venture in to almost say that they were kawaii. It's just, it's awesome. <laughs> I really liked it. Yeah, so I was like, I am curious. I When I was reading this, though, I was curious. I'm like, I wonder what Brian K. Vaughn thinks of their expansion on his, you know, what he his groundwork. Because, I mean, I know he's always been in the past very protective of his properties. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the ones where he kind of had to let go because Marvel owned it. So I'm always curious, like, what he, he thinks of them expanding it. Because, I mean... Like I said, though, it does feel right. Like, she doesn't write exactly like him, but what she's done with the characters actually, from compared to, and I said this before, compared to anyone else who's taken over for it, including Josh Whedon, since Brian K. Vaughn, she, Rainbow is the one that actually feels like is doing it right. Like, the characters feel, like, genuine. Right. That, so. that It feels right, yeah. basically. It doesn't, it's not his story and not his way of doing Runaways, but it feels like I'm just trying to find the line. Where is the fishnet mask line? Because that was like the, my favorite part. But yeah, um, so I'm ready to read it. Are you ready to read it? I am ready to read it. I guess I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it five. The past, that was past Gert. Who knows what present Gert hates? I won't quite give it a five because it's, there's very few books that hit five for me, but I'm going to give it a 4.75. Put your shoes on, girls. It's time to go home. Yeah, <laughs> he kept using that. He's like, it's going to stick somewhere. <laughs> like, finally, the right place for it. All right, so speaking of going home, our next book is X-Men Gold Annual Number 1 by Marvel Comics. Cross Atlantic Caper, written by Mark Guggenheim and Leah Williams. Pencils by Aletha E. Martinez. There's also a backup story. Why Love the X-Men, written by Monty Nero. Art by fucking hell. Dibril Morissette Fan. I'm so sorry to whom, or however you say that. I'm really, really sorry. What I name? know I fucked that up. Oh, yeah, Morissette Fawn. Like, wow. I tried. I'm really sorry. I, I, I find it odd, though, that your last name is Morissette with the rest of your name. So I'm assuming that's one of your parents who's more of a Westerner and the other may be Vietnamese. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm going to shut up now because I'm sounding like an asshole. So <laughs> the reason I say, um, speaking of going home, this is the 30th anniversary of Excalibur, which I know has some mixed uh, feelings from many people, uh, and they're not going to give me a X-Men, uh, I don't know, yellow and or, or like gold and red or whatever uh, book. So this is about as close to as an Excalibur revival as I'm probably going to get. I really loved Excalibur. Like, it was my favorite X book at a, a, a when it was coming out. Uh, I lost kind of track of it over time because it started to wander off because they, they seem to, as comics do, probably lose their original creative staff. And then they didn't know what to do with the story anymore. It was always like the British Marvel, but like it was an American book. And it had people that you recognize and then some people you don't recognize. And 
you know, it, it was just like this really fun organic side story. It was kind of like a companion to, cause like the Justice League books in the nineties had, uh, it's like fun. It was like done by a guy named Keith Giffen and it was just like fun to read. So, but this book basically, uh, like I was saying, it brings us down a, a trip down memory lane. It's a, a get together from the core Excalibur team. They had, had other people during the run of the book, but the core book had these guys. Uh, but they're all getting together to celebrate the birth of Brian and Megan's daughter, Maggie, who's a bit of a shocker in that she's only a few months old, but she's already smarter than most of the people in the book. Like, she's Valeria Richards' direction heading in smartness, but she's literally, like, a couple months old and talking. She doesn't understand everything. Like, she doesn't understand good and evil, which is a, kind of a little bit of a funny bit that they go over in the book. But then while they're getting together to kind of celebrate her birth, uh, someone who feels wronged by the Phoenix comes for revenge right in the middle of the get-together. And then they find out uh, a non-combat solution for the whole issue, which I thought was pretty awesome. The backup story towards the, the back of the annual, because it is an annual, so it's not going to be following normal format. It has uh, this like little girl who's visiting her aunt, and then she fucking loves the hell out of Storm. So they follow the X-Men all throughout New York City, trying to just say, hey... Uh, and, and kind of like hook up and get, you know, signatures uh, and have her hand her pictures over to Storm. Uh, even though throughout the entire city, everybody's just hating on the X-Men. It's just bigotry freaking everywhere. Uh, and then, but they finally kind of hook up and I thought it was pretty good. What did you think? I liked it. I mean, I thought it was cute. It was an X-Men story. I didn't know why Fin Fang Foom was hanging out in New York, but you know. Fin Fang Foom has this habit of attacking New York uh. for some fucking reason. I thought that they were going to go somewhere with that. Yeah. Because, like, Fing Fang Foom and, oh, maybe that is where they were going. So, like, Fing Fang Foom and the Mole Man and, and all them, they're all, like, early Fantastic Four characters. So, like, they attacked because of early Marvel stuff, and New York just kind of has shit like that happen. Personally, I, I don't know why anybody would want to live in New York City in, in the Marvel yeah. Universe. It's just a really horrible fucking idea. I did like the art better in the second little story. Than in the, the second one? The first one, I think that they were trying to mimic some of the Excalibur art. They had Art Adams for the first bit, so it was, like, really fantastic. And there's actually, one of the covers is a rendition of, I think, of Excalibur number one. And, like, they even did it with, like, how it would have been printed back then, because the lines are a little, like, blurry and stuff. So I think all that was kind of done on purpose. There's one picture in here that is, like, literally just, like, a fan service page for Excalibur fans. It's when they're in the plane and they're, like, sitting three across. Mm-hmm. There are so many Excalibur references throughout this entire fucking page. I do like that panel. <laughs> that, 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 that whole, like, page panel, it's got, like, I can't even remember their names, but it's, well, it's got Warlock, it's got Pete Wisdom, it's got just, 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 there's Excalibur character. It's like everybody from the entire run of Excalibur is in a plane all at one time, and, and it's just, like, they did the old oh gosh, oh golly, oh wow, which was uh, Calvin, I can't remember his name, but th- that page right there, it's even got Deadpool down in the corner. I, I saw that. Why the fuck not? I thought it was fun. I, I do agree the the art could have been a little better, but I thought it was pretty good. I, I, I know what they were going for there. They were trying to make it feel kind of like an Excalibur book, and then the rest of the book was more like, oh yeah, by the way, this is X-Men. Just don't don't forget, this is an X-Men book. The cross-Atlantic caper, yeah. Yeah, which was, uh, I don't know if you ever read Excalibur. 
I, I read a few here and there, you know, I'd pick them up randomly, but never like consistent. So the cross Atlantic caper is a reference to the cross time caper. They had this thing that was basically like the pre exiles exiles, which is honestly partially why I like exiles where they basically, they, the little head, like floaty head thing, um, which is, it's like this little robot thing. It opens gates to other dimensions and they kept getting like kicked through other dimensions that were like weird modifications on Excalibur. But, like, Phoenix was never in any of the other ones. She was only just, like, this was, because this was when Rachel had the Phoenix inside her, mm-hmm. right? So they kept popping from dimension to dimension because the little robot thing that made the gates was activated by her Phoenix force. So they would keep hopping, and then, like, Kitty got lost in one of those. And Kitty Pride was out of the regular Marvel Universe for a while because she was trapped in another dimension. Oh, darn. It, it, it was that was the kind of shit that happened. It was just all kinds of weird, wacky misadventures were, were all happening, and it was all centered around this like close knit family, which is part of what I liked about this. I know not everybody's going to like this book, um, and honestly, I, I have to agree with you though. Runaways is a better book this week, but I love this just for the nostalgia sake of it all because it it was a really fun book to read for a while before Excalibur kind of went downhill. But the cross time caper was like their big, it was like, I don't know, at least a dozen issues, if not like 20 of them. Um, it was a really long storyline and they went fucking everywhere. They even kind of made a joke about it with the, the dude with his little wand popping from dimensions and dimensions. <laughs> that that kind of shit would happen to them back then. Yeah. They would just go blip, blip, blip. Okay, I'm going to give it 3.5. She's better than Harry Styles, better than S'mores. Better than Harry Styles smothered in s'mores. <laughs> I'm going to give it three and three quarters. Can you get me his remote? It's not a toy, sweetie. Obviously, Dad. <laughs> you smart baby. All right. Keeping it in Marvel. We're going to do Miss Marvel number 26, Marvel Comics, Teenage Wasteland, part two. Written by G. Willow Wilson. Art by Nico Leone. This issue is weird. It ha- doesn't have... Kamala in it really at uh, not at all. <laughs> and that kind of just didn't sit well with me. So we have her friends trying to pick up the slack, I guess it was, or the void that's left by Kamala not being there. And so much where they're dressing up as Miss Marvel and fighting things, but they're fighting things. It's not necessarily going that well. It takes longer, more destruction, and they're feeling like their their attacks and their fights are drawing more negative like repercussions back onto Miss Marvel. And so they're just kind of making it worse almost in a way. And it's dealing a lot with like that and like how, like what they should do and how they should do it. I personally thought this was a pretty weak Miss Marvel issue. It doesn't have a lot of that, at least for me, it didn't have a lot of that kind of heart and like call to action that you kind of get with a Kamala book. So it felt a little like flat for me. I don't know. What did you think? It wasn't what I was hoping for, I guess I should say. Uh, I haven't been reading Miss Marvel. Um, largely because they, I feel like they kind of lost the point. Yeah, their steam. I haven't felt like I've been reading Miss Marvel for a very long time anymore. Um, I don't know really why they kind of did this, but it, it, it it's funny because, like, scripting-wise, Juwilla Wilson does really good with Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. It's just like the editors are like, I don't really fucking care anymore. But most of the Miss Marvel, Miss Marvelness ends up over in Champions. And I'm like, they, you, it's like they lost the magic of this book, basically. And so I've been reading this, so I have no idea where the fuck she is. The last time I saw her, she wasn't lost. She's just over with the champions. Yeah. And this whole book, I was like, is she just over with the champions, guys? Maybe... Well, the champions do get sucked into that 
it was that other world, remember that whatever cross phased world. Although that thing that, that Ryan really fucking loved. Yeah. Uh that none of us could really care about. Uh the high evolutionary thing. Yeah, I cared about Viv and that was about it. Yeah. And then that didn't end super well. Mm-hmm. And confusingly, based upon you know where we're gonna go with our Avengers book. Yeah, I saw her. I'm like, wait, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna uh, get to that. <laughs> it's just like there's no editorial control at Marvel at fucking all. I just it, it doesn't make any sense. So so we've got this going on here where Kamala's missing, even though you know she's probably in three books this month, but she's missing from her hometown. They don't know what's going on. I don't understand why these kids who have absolutely no superpowers think that they're gonna go do any good here. And I'm like, maybe, maybe call the police. Yeah. Might be a good idea, because you're going to die. Yeah. A giant chameleon with a robot suit. Yeah. I was like, okay, it was a chameleon. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, what is he doing? His legs are hanging out, but he has robot legs, too. I'm like, that is like some weird ass. <laughs> Might be out of your league. Also, where's the other pair of legs? There's only like two pairs of legs on that thing. Maybe they're, though they're inside controlling the robot. They're inside with little, like. You know, raptor arms, like kind of joysticks. That's how I pictured it. Okay, I guess I can see that, and that's kind of cool. Um, so it was, it was good. The art was standard Miss Marvel, but the writing, it's just, it's missing Kamala. And I'm like, I don't have any clue what the fuck is going on here, other than she's quote unquote missing, even though I know exactly where she's been. Yeah, <laughs> she's just missing from her hometown. Maybe they need to turn the news on, and they'll see her. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but it has like some of the stuff that you'd expect from a Miss Marvel book. But it just doesn't feel like Miss Marvel does. Yeah, I do like the old folk home battery. Them, you know, their their weird house slippers are like really like sucking life force out of them or something. I mean, that I means the artwork for that was kind of interesting. <clears throat> you know, evil old folks home. But yeah, it just wasn't enough to. It, it really it's just felt flat. It feels for me. exactly like the story basically says in that it feels like what happened. It feels like Miss Marvel without Miss Marvel, and that's what it is. So yeah. If that's what they're going for, perfect, guys. He did really good. Uh, but I don't care. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Well, I'm going to give it to you think you know what you're fighting. You don't know. You don't even know what you are. We'll give it three because two for me is like a stinker. And I don't think it was a stinker. It just wasn't good. Uh, we're going to give it three. We don't know that she's been captured. She could be totally fine. Maybe after all that excitement last night, she decided to take a mental health day. Alrighty. Oh, we like cool comic related stuff. And here's something we think you might like. So if you love the Rat Queens, like we love the Rat Queens, the Tinkers Pack at thetinkerspack.com sells Rat Queen enamel pins. Um, they come in purple, red, yellow, green, and black, each representing the one color of each member of the team. They're only $5, which is completely reasonable for a comic book fan. And you can wear your little Rat Queen pride on your lapel. Um, I personally have the violet one. I got the green. Um, I love it. It's a good price, but they don't, they don't sell just Rat Queen merch, which they do. It's one of the only places you can find Rat Queen merch. This is all creator based, um, fan stuff. I mean, there's Jim Butcher. There's the Rat Queens. There's, um, Bitch Planet. That's also where I got my non-compliant shirt. Um, it's a really cool website. I said, I suggest you check it out. So basically, that's where you spent your last paycheck. Yeah. Um, I found out because I think, um, yeah, Kelly Sue DeConnick posted a link to it. And I'm like, what do they got there? Oh, they have placed things for me to buy and spend all my money on. You're like, oh, what's that? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Get me my wallet. Yes. And so, you know, they have a lot of say. It's like, it's merch approved by them, the creators. And so, 
It's cool. And they carry really um large extended sizes. Like, I mean, they had, you know, I I think uh the Bitch Planet stuff went up to like five or six X, like really large sizes. So good for them. Wow. It's yeah. impressive. Often people don't really realize who reads comics. Yeah. Yeah, they like think everybody's like the skinny pencil neck geeks, and I'm like, uh, go to. Well, a I know Kelly Sue and that fraction for like even for sex criminals, they have been they purposely have been trying to say no. If you're going to carry my stuff, you're going to be size inclusive, and we're going to go from extra small to six X. Which because you know Kelly Sue's all about that, you know, like rights and like respecting everyone, all fandom. So I know their their leggings had gone up that to the, the those largest, and then when I found this side, I was like, oh, and they made their shirts. Well done. Hopefully, they're using like men's sizes though because like women's sizes are screwy because you'll get something that's like three or four x in a women's size and like it wouldn't fit an xl men's though no um because i did buy a women's tee and the women's tee does go up to that way and it's cut like a woman's tee yeah so yeah i mean i have i mean i do the same thing i'll get a lot of men's shirts but so and actually i bought i sized up thinking that way because of women's tees and the tee that i got from tinkerspack.com for my non-compliant shirt it's actually too big. I can still wear it. It's just baggy. It's not as fitted as a woman's tee would be. But I did that thinking it would be too small because I'm used to women's tees being ridiculously sized wrong. And I ordered like two sizes up and you know, it's it's two sizes up. <laughs> so. so the patriarch can maintain control over women by constantly making them feel bad about themselves. Now you can go get your wife a Bitch Planet shirt. Except my wife doesn't like that. Oh, darn. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of it. I, didn't need I like, <laughs> I more like the notion of a woman being non-compliant, not necessarily the comic. It's more of the notion and the, like, the power of the message than the yeah. comic for me. Yeah. I like the, the message and all that. It's just the comic. It's just been like, all right. <laughs> it's just not the sort of thing. Well, you don't like a lot of preachy stuff, so. No, I hate preachy things. And it's, it can get kind of preachy, so. But I mean, I still love Kelly DeSue's message. And so I, I will support her in that. And like, you know, I have a non-compliant tattoo. I love, I love the whole idea of what non-compliant means. And so that's why I'm like, I need a shirt for that. <laughs> Alrighty. Speaking of non-compliant people, we're heading over to Star Wars, Darth Vader number 10, put up by Marvel Comics, written by Charles Sewell and pencils by Giuseppe Comencoli. I mean, Comencoli? Comencoli. I don't know. Comencoli. I don't know. I have some friends who could probably say it, but I'm not. Cam Uncoli. True. So this picks up from the last book, which had Jacosta, the leader, I'm sorry, the keeper of the Jedi Archives, doing her best to save young Force sensitives that the Jedi had compiled into, like, basically a list. Uh, so at the end of the last book, Vader had found her, and he starts this book off trying to basically apprehend her, bring her in alive, because the, the Emperor wants that list. Uh, she's, she was actually in the Clone Wars cartoon. Um, she's kind of crabby and she's like that angry librarian type who's like, shh, be quiet. Um, but, uh, she's in he, um, the sex, she's in Clone Wars the movie, right? She might've been in the movie. I, I only saw the movie once, but I saw the series. Uh, I think she's the one who tells him, tells Obi-Wan that that doesn't exist. Cause she, she's, there's, a, there's an older woman in the archives who's trying to <gasps> tell, show him when he's trying to find the cloning planet. And she's I like, think you meant that's Blake. Clone Wars cartoon. No, sorry. Oh, you mean Attack of the Clone? Yes, Attack of the Clone. Sorry. Okay. Did I say what I said? That? Uh, I said the Clone movie number two. Yeah, because there's a well, there's a Clone Wars movie. Oh, is there that they did from the show? That's like two episodes, two like two or three episodes from the show are in this movie, mm. 
And then you have to pair that. It's funny because if you watch that movie, you then have to go watch two shows or two episodes from the show from two different seasons to get that whole story. Like that movie and two episodes make one long story. And it's really fucking confusing because they put that movie out and then they put out the series and like episode 10 of season one is one of the episodes, but it comes before the movie. And then the the end of the story is like in season three. It's fucking annoying. The only reason I remember that is because I remember that Jedi archivist. I'm like, I love her costume. That's a badass Jedi costume. So it's stuck in my head that there's that character that's an old woman archivist. I'm pretty sure you're right. I'm pretty sure that was Jocosta because now I, I remember her from Attack of the Clone. <laughs> but that, I'm pretty sure that's that was who that was supposed to be. Uh, she was also in the animated series. And then she sadly meets her untimely end here. But she tries to kill herself first to basically take herself out of it and stop them from being able to apprehend her and get the list. But Vader doesn't allow it. He literally just grabs her with the force and lifts her back up into the the Hella ship thing. The thing where she realizes that he caught her and is like forcing her back up, that panel with her eye, I'm like, oh, that's that oh shit moment. Damn it. She has this really badass lightsaber powered rifle too. I was like, well, that's neat. It's basically a Death Star, but... It's basically Ezra. He does that, doesn't he? Did he make a gun too? Oh yeah, he did. When he first... Has his, uh, his lightsaber does the blaster thing, mm-hmm. but then he basically just uses his saber most of the time. It's like, like they have this really cool idea, but then like, oh, this is why they don't do that. Um, but yeah, you're right. He does use his saber as a blaster, at least for a little bit, but then he gets more into Star Wars stuff and he finds that, you know, the, the blaster is really uncivilized. <laughs> nice. Ah. Nice callback. Yeah. So, um, so he basically, he doesn't allow it, lifts her back up. And, Really great scene here with the eyes. But after finding out specifically what she has, she then reveals to the clone troopers on the transport that Vader is Anakin Skywalker. And they're like, uh, fuck. <laughs> um, so he kills them all. Uh, and then she's like, what are you going to do? And, and then he just blows up the whole fucking thing. And it's like in a crash. And he's like, Emperor, or, uh, yeah, yeah, my Emperor, I'm, I'm sorry she died and uh, I didn't get anything from her. And, uh, well, it looks like everything got fucked up here. <laughs> Weird. Um, she basically says, look, he's going to use that list to make more of you. And he's like, that ain't going to happen. Which I personally took as Vader starting to turn away from the Emperor. Not necessarily towards the light side. Because this series literally starts off at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Like, the no! Yeah. Is like the first panel of this series. So, if you want to know what happened to Vader after Episode 3, this book is literally just, like, that's what this is cataloging, is that basically the story of Vader as he becomes Vader. But he's still he's still a little Anakin Skywalker in this, right? And he's got jealousy and anger and bitter rage, and he's a whiny little bitch. <laughs> just because that's how Hayden Christensen made him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he's not, like, the cold monster Vader that you find later, he's still becoming that creature. Um, so he's still making decisions like that, but that I don't think he ever really walks away from. I think Vader was basically scheming against the emperor his entire fucking life. But at some point he just got tired with shit. Uh, there's a really cool scene at the end of this story where the dude that Jocosta was working with, he basically finishes up the, they, they've got basically a copy of the Jedi archives squirreled away in a cave that this dude had been living in, and he just, he's like, I haven't heard from her. I guess the worst happened. So he blows up the doorway, which is like a waterfall, and it just seals this place in, 
And then you just see a scene where there's like cobwebs and everything. And then you see somebody poke through and Luke Skywalker finds it. And then they just say, the Jedi will rise again. And I'm like, fuck yes. <laughs> so, I, I had fun with this. It's, it's Star Wars. I don't expect it to be super fantastically great, but it makes me feel like Star Wars. And I thought it was a pretty good book. What did you think? I thought this one was a lot better than some of the other ones in this run. I felt like the beginning of this run was really weak compared to the Jason Aaron run of Vader, where we had Afra and the murder droids and everything like that, like Vader Dow and that whole run. It it was it was severely lacking in comparison, I think, at at first. This one I felt like was start it was getting his it's uh it got its feet under it and was starting to get you know it's solid. So like this yeah. one was actually interesting. The other one I was just like, oh no. See, I don't, like, especially with, like, they draw him kind of thinner than I'm used to seeing Vader in this. So I picture this more as... More athletic. More athletic, but he's more Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Like, Jedi Knight having just turned to the dark side, and he's just, like, he's new to all this, and he doesn't, he hasn't built up the persona of Darth Vader quite yet, and he doesn't really know what he's doing quite yet, other than he's like, well, this is where I am, I guess I'm evil, kind of thing. Um, so I think that's part of why it doesn't really feel as good as Aaron's stuff. Aaron's stuff is just hardcore. This is the unstoppable killing machine of Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's why the difference, I do have to agree with you. The series did start off a little weaker than this book and hopefully it keeps getting better. Yeah. Um, Sewell's a pretty good writer, so it should. Cool. Alrighty. What'd you read it? I'm going to give it three and a half. When the time is right, the Jedi will rise again. All right. I gave it 3.25. And me, what becomes of me? Nice. Speaking of what becomes of people. Phoenix Resurrection. The Return of Jean Grey, number three. Marvel Comics, chapter three. A Constellation of Them All. Written by Matthew Rosenberg. Pencils by Joe Bennett. This one was a little bit weirder than the last few ones, I think, in my opinion. It definitely, yeah, there's a grave digging happening. (laughs) As you do. Yeah. And it's like, the I'm going to call it Jean World. It's just lots of weird shit happening. She's flying a, you know, space, you know, shuttle like you do. And, you know, drowning and for them appearing all of a sudden in a grocery store. Yeah, it's just like random weird crap going on in Gene World. But meanwhile, in the really real world, there's like fish dying because the phoenix is coming and it's like boiling the planet in certain areas and um well jamaica bay is where and they they did this in the movie x-men 2 yeah um that's where they crashed i think it was actually the blackbird and gene no 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 it was a spaceship that's that's because that's why she's flying the spaceship in i think they were coming down from whatever the fuck asteroid m uh-huh. i think that was like the first time they were coming down from asteroid m and they were like oh god we're, we're gonna die and gene like held the thing together uh-huh. but she crashed into the lake yeah uh, and then that's, you know, then you don't see Gene for a while, then you see Phoenix and yeah. blah, 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 blah. Um, so, okay. I, I didn't connect the names, but so thanks. Yeah. But I was like, okay, Lake, whatever. Um, yeah. They even, I think in the last issue, that's where like they go to the beach at Jamaica Bay. Yeah. And they're like, oh, beach must be real nice, kitty. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're all in really crappy areas. So we see Cyclops and Old Man Logan, Beast and Kitty. They, you know, they dig up her body. They go to her grave. And of course, the casket is empty. You know, you know, they desecrate and stuff. I do like in Gene World where she sees, um, Wolverine, Eye Patch Wolverine. He's the mechanic, you know, and he's, uh, Mr. Patch. Mr. Patch. Yeah. Cause they think of really weird names. Um, I like, uh, Wolverine being very Wolverine and crude. And that's what makes her like her powers go all crazy. 
I was like, no, just give in. It's a fake fantasy world anyways. <laughs> Do it. You're like, no, no, no. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Do it. But, um, so they all get together. They go and find Emma Frost and they're, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, I, I've already run into this issue. I've already dealt with it back to the teen gene um issues and they're like oh well that'd be nice to hear about so like here go to this location and they're like they're there in new mexico and they're like there's nothing here she screwed us you know big surprise and they're like mm, no um then who is it magic yeah magic was like no there's something in there and she she whacks it and you see like this big dome pink thing and they're like oh that's something so i guess they found it, to me it reminded it almost made me think of pleasant hill like you know that's the uh, secret town kind of thing, yeah. the Kobik town or whatever it was. Like, you know, so there's some weird hidden town where people are dead and psychics are at. Um, while in Jean town, uh, our waitress Jean gets chased down by the Phoenix and eventually like confronts her while burning down her house. Like you never know really what's going on there. Cause she flashes into little s- vignettes constantly while you're seeing her. So, and basically like, we need to talk kind of thing. And they're like, Oh, how do we get into this dome? And that's basically some of it. The the X-Men are showing up and there is Rogue there, so bonus points. You're like, I'm going to give it a four and a half just because Rogue is on the last panel. Yeah. she And she says, there's nothing here. Then Magic's like, oh yeah, bitch. Look. She's like, don't you tell me what's here and what's not here. There's shit all around us. No, I, I do like that. I guess we owe Emma an apology. And Kitty's like, nah. <laughs> yeah, but she's like, not only is it here, it's making you want it not to be here. Fuck you people. I'm going to cut some space with a sword. Yeah. I do like how everyone's like, something doesn't feel right. Scared? Maybe. Like, they're all, all their different reasons for not wanting to be there. I thought it was kind of neat. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is a neat little idea to have like this, like, town that Phoenix just made in the middle of a canyon. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I love the pick where they have like all of the X-Men are just kind of like gathered in multiple Especially after the annual where where they're like, uh, uh, jet fuel costs money. Yeah. <laughs> and, Multiple jets just chilling on the cliff. Yeah, like, well, apparently not too much money. Well, they said for, like, X-related stuff, though, so. Yeah. But, I mean, they're literally flying all over the place. Well, I mean, I guess there isn't, there's few things more important than trying to figure out, oh, fuck, is the Phoenix back? Yeah. So, I guess you can literally explain this off as, uh, you know, this is a superhero-y thing, because there's nothing more superhero-y than making sure the phoenix doesn't fuck everything up and it's not just rogue on the panel remy's there with her too he's he's like chilling <laughs> well i mean it's like it's the like the who's who the top x-men yeah. type characters that everybody loves because you've got classic x-men that are still alive <laughs> which i'm a little i'm still irritated that young gene had to die that I, I still don't think that that needed to happen but they got thankfully rid of shatterstar's mustache <laughs> the porn stash <laughs> really fucking creepy um but they still got like strong guys hipster beard she's <laughs> just silly looking um but I, I really like that panel that i wasn't super a fan of the art in this book mm. it seemed kind of I, I like art that's like less on the lines and this kind of seemed to use a lot of like really sloppy not sloppy but like <gasps> too much lines mm. there are too, ma- too many lines in this book and it wasn't really as tight as i think it could have been and then they leave out some things like Colossus doesn't have his bands. Like he's supposed to have these like stripes yeah. all over his skin. And he's just like liquid metal. He looks like the Terminator. <laughs> I've seen him drawn so. that way though before. Yeah, when they don't draw him yeah. right. There's a weird there's one band across his forehead. It looks like <laughs> to find that panel. That's silly. Uh, oh no, you're right. I see it. <laughs> that's that's dumb. Uh, 
Because his face is like the one place he doesn't have those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but all in all, it's a good book. I'm, I'm really excited to see this kind of come to a fruition. Um, to see Jean Grey come back. I, I just wish they would have put a better artist on it. Um, the writing is pretty good for what it is. I mean, it's a special event book. So they are very on the rails kind of stories. But uh, I like the, there, there's a lot of little parts to this that are really good. But like, all in all, it's a good book. Not a great book though for what I think this level of story deserves. But it's got a lot of... You, you have to watch the background and watch the art because the background and, like, everything has just little, like, Easter eggs for X-Fans. Like, she runs by a building that says Wagner across the top, and, and for a gargoyle, it's got Nightcrawler. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, the place I'm calling Gene Town. Yeah, there's, like, tons of little callbacks throughout the whole thing because I think it's, like, all mental like so it's all you know pulling psychological it's all like in phoenix's head mm-hmm. yeah. so pretty fun uh, and like literally all the people that are in the the grocery store are like x-men characters like the 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 old guy is the dude who swung the the weird he's the teleporter guy he's the when they lived in australia there was this guy who would teleport them everywhere whatever the hell his name is that's the the black guy who's like holding her hand when she somehow slips in glass bottles of water and then there's like psylocke there like, that's like the, that's not Psylocke, that's the person whose body Psylocke is in. Hmm. Like, everybody here is, like, technically considered dead. Yeah. At least by Gene, right? Because even Patch, who's technically, while well, Wolverine has shown up, we don't know when exactly, and it's, yeah. like, been in, like, one backup story. So. Very curious. I like how he's like, well, that's ominous. Like, oh, thanks, yeah. Bobby. <laughs> Seriously. Thanks for stating the obvious there, Bobby. Thank you very much. Alrighty. All right. I'm going to give it three and three quarters. A stiff drink or a stiff man. That'll cure your bad day. I can help. <laughs> Go, Logan. <laughs> I'm going to give it three and three quarters. Well, fuck. I'm sorry, Hank. <laughs> I just I was like, I love seeing Hank cuss. Yeah. Moving on. We'll go over to Avengers number 675. Also by Marvel Comics. Because this is a very marvelous week. Like every single book is Marvel. No complaints here. Uh, Avengers No Surrender, Part 1. Written by Mark Wade, Al Ewing, and Jim Zub. Art by Pepe Larraz. So this is the start of the No Surrender event, which starts off with the Earth being relocated to somewhere else in space. And that causes apocalyptic events that the Avengers all head out to save you know, all the humans from. Uh, Alpha Flight is left in the dark in space with the uh, Earth's disappearance, much to the ire of the Queen of Space. Miss or uh, Captain Marvel does not enjoy that. Well, she was locked out of Earth just a minute ago. I mean, she should get used to it. <laughs> like, this just fucking happened! <clears throat> so they're in the middle of them, you know, being heroes and saving people. Most of the Avengers then just get, like, time-locked in some sort of weird stasis field. And then Jarvis is, is trying to save a, a young boy. Um, and I, I could have sworn Jarvis has died already. Um, yeah. But so he basically pushes a kid out of the way and then he gets just crushed by a bunch of um like debris from a falling building and he's somehow in critical condition and not dead after saving this kid. Um but it, it's all kind of like a big everything's fucked up, everything's going screwy. Here's some characters, you know, kind of uh, yep, we're starting another big event kind of book. Um interesting to kind of see where it's going from. I'm wondering if it's Kang or uh, a few people teamed up. Uh, what did you think? I don't really like how Rogue's drawn. So that's where I go to first. <laughs> so I do like, they're like, oh, that's your uh, 
that's your um, leadership style. I like, uh, let's see, you haven't lost your sterling leadership skills, Rogue. She's like, Quicksilver's being an ass. I did a little research. So the person who appears at the end, they say is someone called Voyage and Valerie Vector. And people are guessing or hypothesizing that it's Val... Valeria Richards or whatever. Oh, Valeria? Valeria Richards, they think that. But oh. but she's going... But the what they're calling her officially at Marvel right now is Valerie Vector, a.k.a. Voyage. I thought she was Voyager. A Voyager, yeah, maybe Voyager. Ah, whatever. It's only one letter. You didn't, you didn't give me crap for one letter? <laughs> <laughs> of course I am. I'm the actually guy, remember? Yeah, because that's not... That statue has appeared there multiple times and she's never been in it. And they're like, no, no, it's not Kobik. I'm like, sure, the character might not be Kobik, but is it Kobik related? Is this like aftermath no. of like her messing with the world? It's not Kobik, but is it a cosmic cube? Yeah, but I know that, yeah, they might think because there's been a lot of hints with um the Richards clan. Uh, as of late, we saw the the siblings running through space a couple issues back recently. So maybe, <laughs> but yeah, don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah, there. It's another kind of uh, retconny thing bringing her in. I'm wondering because of the the color scheme. Um, I mean, Valeria is a interesting idea that might that might be a possibility. But I also think that maybe it's a, like a Sentry kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well, because yeah, century. with Sentry they they went and retconned Sentry in, and they're they're going so far as to in in the next part of this storyline, and this is another one of those. Hey, buy a comic every fucking week, guys, because you just got nothing but money because we're selling these fucking big three dollars fucking pop. <laughs> yeah, I bought three um, comics yesterday and it was like twenty dollars. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Um, but like the cover of the next book is a rendition of Avengers number one, but with her on it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, no, no. Yeah, I saw that. You're all art. wrong. She's always been here, and I'm like. No, she hasn't. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, Kobik, oh my god, come on. <laughs> yeah, and Kobik could definitely relocate, you know, the planet through, you know, through space. So, the fun thing is also, it's got, like, you know, Lady Thor in this, mm-hmm. who's gonna die next week. Yeah. So, and then, I'm like... Well, they also had the champions running together, and Viv looked like Viv. And yes, there was two Vivs at the last time we saw, but it's like, come on, tell us what happened to human Viv, too. Because there was yeah, two of them. Like, and, and human Viv is Viv. Mm-hmm. The other one is like rebooted Viv. Viv 2.0. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, what? Uh, come on, guys. Talk. Yeah. You're all in the same company. I love that there's a lot of rogue in this, but I don't really like her how... Yeah, her hair. I don't like how the she's drawn. Hair? It just looks I'm like, weird and poofy and just... I don't know what's going on. And, and, and really, I'm seriously sick and tired of Hercules' man butt. <laughs> I fucking hate that thing. It's just so stupid looking. Um, I mean, I love seeing Hercules in books, and that that part's awesome. But yeah, the, some of the art on this is just—it's like it's not okay. bad art. Like the person can draw. It's just that I don't. They're stylistic choices. I'm like, mm, not sure I would have went that way. Yeah, it's like it, like you said, it's it's extremely competent art. It's technically good art. I'm just like, why why would who has ever drawn her hair like that? I can't get past Rogue's hair. It's just horrible. It's like a weird, like, 60s mod, like, kind of pixie. I don't know. It's weird. It's like it, like in a video game where you can, like, scale, like, the hair and stuff, or, like, different body parts. Mm-hmm. It's like they took the slider for the hair and just went all the way to the right. Mm-hmm. It's literally, it's huge. It's her hair color scheme, but it's fucking huge. 
It's like a fro. No one's hair on the top of their head is that thick. I mean, that's some serious volume. And if so, it wouldn't look like like she teased it, backcombed it just to get this helmet. It literally is like a helmet of hair. Seriously. And I, I know we keep going on about this, but it, seriously, guys, you just got to see this thing. It's like... And there's a couple of panels where she looks super doe-eyed. I'm like, uh, that does not look like her. Yeah, that's not... And everybody's giving her crap. Like, she's getting no respect here. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, and like... Yeah, I know. I was just like, rah, like, screw, who cares about wasps? Listen to Rogue. And there's two wasps because Janet is in this and Pim's daughter. I mean, it, it is completely in character technically for Rogue to say that. I mean, the world is fucking ending. I'm sorry that Jarvis is hurt. We can't all stop here. Most of the Avengers are fucked. And they're all like, well, pfft. You suck, Rogue. And I'm like, no, that's actually what you do. Yeah. <laughs> this is literally the correct act here, guys. Yeah. I like how it's like they're so like Hercules is just carrying is that Falcon or is that Vision? Who is that? He's carrying That was Vision. Vision. He's like, I, I brought Vision. <laughs> no, oh, I see none of you brought any anybody else. <laughs> Slackers. So I I mean it's it's interesting. It's a it's an event book. They've taken out all of the main characters, yeah. basically. Uh, so it's like, they're not... That's a little insulting, because I think Rogue is a, should be a main character. But Hawkeye, you know, she, he, he's not frozen. That's that's right. <laughs> she should be, but like, the Unity Squad is this weird kind of X-Men Avengers book that I don't think has ever really gotten all that popular. But she has all the pockets. Look at her pocket belt. She does have so many... Well, she is an X character, so... Yeah. She should. And like, Wonder Man, I'm like, I thought Wonder Man had retired. And then there's the Red Hulk guy from the USA Avengers. Like, most of the U.S. Avengers are here. That looks like Stan Lee with red right? skin. And then, like, Lady Thor. And I'm like, she's a great... Jane Foster's Thor is a fantastic character. Her armor is really cool. I think we're all ready for Thorson to be back, though. Her own son, rather. Thor's son. <laughs> I knew what you meant. I wasn't going to correct you. I know everybody keeps telling me that I should really love Falcon, but I just don't see him being the leader of the Avengers. Yeah. It's weird. And then, uh, I mean, it was interesting, but it's like, these aren't mainstream Avengers. Like, Hercules is the closest. I'm a little insulted that they don't have Spider-Woman in there. Yeah. She, she was an Avenger, and unless, she, unless she's frozen, but they didn't show her get frozen, so. Maybe that's this kind of implied that, like, everybody else is frozen. Fucking literally everybody else. Wait, are the challengers still running? Or huh? well, there's there's a panel on the last not a panel. There's a page at the end where you've got like everybody who's basically still in the game. And yeah, the challengers aren't there. Challengers, challengers, not there. they're not the challengers, are they? Champions, champions. No, you see them get frozen. That's the one where you see Viv. That's that right. They're running all and- of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, well, okay, let's see where this goes. I'm I'm wondering also just because like there was a scene where Doctor Strange is there. And he's the Sorcerer Supreme again. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, is this after uh, whatever happens with the Sentry? Does the Sentry turn into a woman? Does the Sentry create Voyager? Like Sentry, Voyager, they're all kind of like real simple word names. Yeah. So I, that's why I, my money is on her. Maybe Kobik, like Saul Sentry, and they're like, oh, I could do that. And they're like, every time they say it's not this thing, and I, I get that Alex Alonzo isn't doing this. I think this is one of CB's first books. CJ, CB, it's CB, isn't it? Bolsky. Yeah. Um, this is one of his first books, so hopefully he's not immediately doing an Alex Alonzo and saying it's not the thing that it is, because that's exactly, he's like, it's not a cosmic cube, it's not an alternate universe, and I'm like, well, they're frozen no, it literally was a cosmic with, like, cube. blue, too, so I'm like, but, uh, <laughs> so blue just makes me think Kobik, so I was like, ah. Yeah, I was like, is Kang doing this? Because what was the book that Kang just showed Oh, up um, yeah. Isn't like, nice of you to join me, or timely, or yeah. Oh, was that? Just read it last week. I know. Arms are so bad. Dang. And he had all the armor. He had all the, like, trophies. It wasn't Hawkeye. No. Guardian? Yes, it was Guardians. Was it Guardians? Yeah, because, uh... uh Did they leave Drax? Oh, right. Adam. He had the cocoon. Uh, Aisha? That's right. Aisha kind of looks like Voyager. That was one of the other, uh, I heard guesses say that they thought it could be Aisha. Yeah, so... 
I guess we'll see. All right. So I'm going to give it three and three quarters. Anything Atlas can do, <clears throat> Hercules could do better. <laughs> I'm going to give it three and a half. This is all of us. Everyone who isn't on pause. <laughs> That's exactly what they are, too. They're on pause. Yeah. So. And it's rogue. It says it so. It's fitting. And now for pool pass or complaint on the internet. Dun, 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 dun. Old Man Hawkeye, number one. Marvel Comics, Eye for an Eye. Written by Ethan Sachs and art by Marco Cinchetto. I am going to pass. Just uh, the old man stuff. It's just, I feel like I'm like, old man Logan, okay, I got it. We don't really need old man Hawkeye. I mean, Hawkeye is not really a super pool for me anyways, unless it's Kate. So, yeah. <laughs> it could be for a fan. This could be for someone. Yeah, this is, this is for people who, like, really want to buy stuff that have Old Man in the title. Because that's about the only real feel that I got for this being, like, Old Man Logan. It just didn't... It just felt like a money grab. Um, Ethan Sachs, you know Mark Miller. Uh, this is a... This is almost a, a complaint about it on the internet for me. But I'm, I'm going to give it a pass because I just don't care enough to complain about it too much. Right. It, it just... Buh. <laughs> Next, we have Venom, number 160. Uh, Marvel Comics, Venom Incorporated, part five, written by Mark Costa, with stories by Mike Costa and Dan Slott, and art by Gerardo Sandoval. Oh, this is a hard pass. Not complaining on the internet. I'm just, I don't like Venom. It was very Venom-y. Didn't really capture my interests. But there are Venom fans out there, so it might be for you, just not for me. Yeah, there was a recent Venom that I was like, almost liking and then this is like a complete 180 from that this is a hard 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 pass for me as well i i fuck this book sucked not enough to complain about it just wasn't good like i liked like the gr the rocket venom that was cute that was not yeah. the only venom i really cared for it, it, this is just like meh yeah this is like such a hard meh yeah definitely meh yeah so both of our, both of those are passes. So let's, uh, moving on. Book list for the upcoming week. Batman 39. Mighty Thor number 703. Doctor Strange 384. Star Wars number 42. Pull, pass, and complain for next week are Super Sons 12. Harley Quinn number 35. Avengers 676. Though someone might pick that. And Damage number one. Champion 16. There's a good possibility for that. Cause I want to know what happened to Viv, damn it. <laughs> well, is it going to be that or is it going to be that no surrender? No, cause they're time locked. Yeah, they're time locked, so... Who knows when this story happens? Yeah. Who knows? Mystery. Find out next week. Or don't. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars Adventure. Oh, it hits a Rose issue. Yeah, those books. The IDW Star Wars mm -hmm. books. I'm just like, these are the books that Marvel or Disney doesn't care about. Yeah. Ice Cream Man number one by Image Comics. Gather around the neighborhood ice cream truck for these tales of sorrow, wonder, and redemption. Each installment features its own cast of strange characters. But no one will care about it. You never know. Maybe it could be cool. There's that Dark Fang. I actually liked that one. That's that you like Dark Fang? I thought you didn't like it. No, remember I thought it was really funny. Like I had an interesting take on vampires waking up to like um, modern technology. I mean, it was weird. It wasn't like my favorite, but it was. It was. Oh, Big Trouble, Little China, Old Man Jack, number five. Oh yeah, that's good. That's worth reading. Big I figured that would be on your list. Okay, yeah. The rest is pretty kind of. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no. I was hoping a new sex criminal coming out. Okay, so that was the world of comics for this week. You can find all kinds of nerd shenanigans, including our podcast on original streaming media, Cut the Cord. When's the last time that came out? Uh, like when Discovery came out? Okay. At fourcolornerds.com or our Facebook page. They need the cover, Runaway. You can follow us on right. Twitter and Instagram. We're on iTunes and Google Play Music. On Stitcher. On SoundCloud. And on Podcast Addict. Be sure to rate. Review. And subscribe. And be sure to come on back next week for another episode. Until then. 
Keep reading, nerds. Hey, it's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. Catch. They can read your minds.